You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. Welcome. For today's discussion, we will look at two different areas I find particularly interesting. First, we will look at the important role the workplace retirement business is playing in educating and guiding newer investors. And the second is the work our guest is engaged with in empowering women in fintech. So our guest today is Michelle Tron. Michelle's day job is Senior Vice President, Head of Enterprise Sales at Vestwell. In her spare time, in addition to being a mother of four, I I can't get past that one, four, uh, Michelle is the board member is a board member of uh, Take the Lead Women, founder of the NYC fintech organization, and is a founding member of Dreamers and Doers. So, Michelle, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Great to have you on board. Thanks for having me, Jack. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's be fun. So, Michelle, let's start with a little background on your career and some some more about your role at Vestwell. Kind of give the backstory, and then we'll talk about some of the things you're working on now. Yeah. So as you said, I lead enterprise sales and channel partnerships for Bestwell. So my day job, what I do you know, between the hours of six and midnight, it feels like, is really <laughs> focused in, in figuring out how to help Bestwell grow, it grow in, a, in a very scaled way. And what's really interesting, too, is in the industry, what we're seeing is that there's just a lot of momentum for companies to really figure out how do we offer workplace savings to employees. So that's what I do, you know, today. Really excited to be at the firm. Love our mission and what we're doing in this space. My background is I come from years of wealth management, asset management experience. So I started my career at BlackRock, leading a number of initiatives across fintech, also sales within iShares, spent some time in Hong Kong. So lived in Hong Kong for a couple of years, growing our ETF sales with global private banks. And it was really interesting because it was a really new and nascent product at that time, especially in Asia. And then move back to the States and move to New York to figure out our fintech strategy. And this was at a time when you didn't hear anything but robo-advisors in the news. And then robo-advisors were going to take over the world from you know all the advisors. It was a robots, robots, robots. But the good thing was that they were using a lot of ETFs, right? From a liquidity standpoint, a fee perspective. And so really what we were trying to figure out is, you know, what's our play there? And as you've seen it in Jack, you know that well, it hasn't played out, right? Or in terms of robots are taking over. What they've really done is democratize access to investing, which has been really cool. It's really provided a lot of access for people who don't usually have access to investing, who think investing is only for those that have a million dollars and up. And that's no longer true. And so what's really happening now is that people are starting to create wealth, create opportunity. And from BlackRock, went to Apex Clearing, which they were at the forefront in terms of the technology to help enable people to invest. And so really the foundation behind, you know, early foundation behind Robinhood, foundation behind a lot of the robo-advisors and creating that, that technology to enable small account and fast account opening. And then, you know, spent some time at some a various number of startups and figuring out how do we continue to help them grow their business. All in, if I look at my career, really focused on these new innovative products that are bringing access to investors, access to savings. And that's really what brought me to Vestwell was, you know, I've gone through a number of companies where we've provided access to investing, but access to savings is different. Not a lot of America has access to savings. If you think about just the 401k space, there are 32 million small businesses out there in the U.S. and less than a million of them have actual workplace savings. And I just think back to personally... I'm um, a first-generation immigrant. 
my parents came over from Vietnam and they never had access to workplace savings. And I was very fortunate to do so. And so to see the impact of being able to save through my job and what it's afforded me, you know, has a big reason why I'm at Bestwell today. So one of the things I find fascinating about Vestwell, first of all, I love the growth story, and I'd love to hear some more about why you think that is. I have, I have some, I have, I have an inside track. I've had talked to uh, your boss, Aaron Shum, who's the CEO at Vestwell on our podcast, and he's filled us in a little bit, but I'd love to hear your perspective on that. You're growing like crazy, it seems. Also, it seems I'm pretty well informed on this. You're adding lots of value. You're not, it's not just a savings program, but the teaching program, if you will, in terms of showing people how to save and invest for the future. Love to hear some more about that, but you, clearly you're in a hyper growth mode. And I think some of those contribute maybe more. So Phil said, what is it that you think, what's the secret sauce at Vestal? Why are you guys uh, doing so well? I think there's a number of different factors. One is when you think about access and helping people save, how are we making it easy? How are we making it frictionless? Right. You don't want, um, you know, people who are trying to save that extra hundred dollars, that extra two hundred dollars to go through 10 different steps. You want to make it as easy as possible. And that's the way that they're, you know, these individuals are going to be able to save for that long term help, too. So when they retire, they'll actually have money to, to use. And so that's really, I think, at the crux of it is when we think about technology, we're really using technology to, one, build efficiency for the user experience and modernizing that user experience, but also building it when we think about in-house and looking internally, right? How do we serve operations? How do we think about you know, our investments? All these different components that go into running a business, we're bringing technology into those areas. And so that's really where, you know, one, just love the, the secret sauce that we have. Um, DocuSign came out with a case study on us very recently, a couple of weeks ago, about how we really increase the client journey and the number of client agreements that we got signed because we're able to fast track and really build efficiencies into the whole contract signing process. So what we really did was bring multiple different contracts in into one signing experience. So it wasn't you had to go to you know three or four different DocuSigns to get something done. You had it all in one experience. And that really leapfrogged the way that a lot of firms that work with us were able to move quickly to launch you know, their plans. So that's one part was of an example of efficiency that we bring to the table. So I'd love to hear more. I know personally when I'm online and the steps are too many, I give up at a certain point because I don't have the patience. I just don't want to deal with it. And if they're not going to make it easy for them, heck with them, even though it frankly might <laughs> undermine this, the sale price that I had available to me or whatever. But I, what I gather is not only are you making the process easier, Aaron talked about that when he, he was with us, but you're also starting to add additional services. Why don't you talk a little bit about that in terms of how you're enabling uh, participants to save at, uh, more easily in terms of the process, but also guidance along the way. Yeah, so we launched a managed account platform product with our partners at Franklin Templeton for that easy button in terms of savings. And so within this managed account solution, you know, what we do is we take in about, you know, 40 different areas of inputs. We take in social security calculations, we take in income, age re retirement, you're able to add in different accounts as well. So we take all of this information in to provide a real kind of customized portfolio. You know, when you think about it from an individual standpoint, they don't hear the words customized portfolio. They don't know what that means. What they see is that, hey, someone has taken in all my information. They've looked at my financial picture. 
all these different inputs and are giving me kind of a mix of different investments that are tailored for me. And we're doing this through automation. And so that's one that we really, you know, we see a lot of success in and we've seen a lot of, you know, individuals and small businesses say, hey, you're actually building some technology that will help my individuals, my employees save more. The bigger thing here too, is that it's a native experience. So when you talk about the easy button, you're not going to go to another website to do this function and then come back. We've built it all natively within the experience for the participant. So they just have to go in. It's all part of their sign-on experience. They're setting up their investment experience, but it's all native within our the individual portal. And so when you talk about like how easy can it be, you're not going anywhere. You're not clicking on 20 different tabs or you're not clicking on 20 different websites. You're really doing it in one place. And so you're as easy as possible. So Michelle, we uh, share Franklin Templeton as an important client in common. And what you're referring to is the goals optimization engine, which has been an award-winning planning tool and implementation tool. And it's also commonly referred to as GO, GOE, a goals optimization engine. And Lifefield recently announced our deal with GO. And soon enough, that will be tied into Vestwell. So when you're describing setting up the process, you're using Go as the planning tool and implementation tool. And on the on the back end, what you're going to have is you're going to have Lifefield then suggesting how to optimally withdraw or draw down across multiple accounts. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? It's kind of fun how our, our various tech capabilities are coming together. Yeah, that's what's fun in our space, right? When we think about wealth tech, there's a number of amazing technology, innovative technologies out there. And I think the fun part is how do you piece it together to provide that right experience for the user? And that's where we've really, you know, really loved working with Franklin as they thought very innovatively about how to offer a managed account solution, but bringing in the right experts to provide components like bringing in Lifefield. So we're really excited to, to partner with them and with you eventually. Yeah, and actually another piece to that equation. Actually, the second deal Lifefield signed when we were founded some 14 years ago was with Franklin Templeton. It was a social security optimization tool, which at the time was part of a much more complex system, but we broke it out because they wanted us to. It became wildly successful for them and for us. Interestingly, it's now going to show back up and go as part of the optimizations, optimizing social security, optimizing income withdrawal across multiple accounts. Talk, if you would, a little bit about this whole convergence. One of the things that I see that I'm quite fascinated by, excited by, is this convergence of workplace, retirement, retirement savings, and wealth management. They're really coming together in a way where, depending how you enter, you're going to get taken care of over time, as particularly as your, your wealth grows, as the complexity of the, what you own grows, and that by working together between the workplace side and the wealth side, the client succeeds and frankly, the advisor does as well. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And I think it's the next big wave of what's to come within the retirement space and within the wealth space. What you're seeing is you're seeing retirement groups offering wealth management. And then you're seeing wealth management groups who usually only do wealth management, look at the opportunities and the tailwinds that they see in the space and now beginning to really see the commercial opportunity within 401k and retirement. So I think that's what's really interesting. And what I predict will happen in 2023 and 2024 is that you're going to see a lot of these wealth shops begin really starting to think about the 401k channel in a more concerted fashion. And what that really means is how do we look at segments of retirement? What are the segments of retirement that are growing fastest? So, you know, again, when you look at primarily in the small business space, 
this is a world, this is a, a segment of that market that is growing very fast. And there's a huge opportunity. And the huge opportunity, not only is because of the number of small businesses that exist, it's because the government is also mandating retirement options for small businesses. And so that always helps, right? When you have the government say you have to you do something and then most businesses will. And we've seen that play out in California. In California, you have to offer retirement option if you have five more employees. And their deadline was in June. And you saw activity in California really spike. What we see is that we see these wealth management shops who focus primarily only on wealth management, really seeing retirement being a huge revenue channel for them. It's because of state mandates. It's because of the number of small businesses out there in the market. But they really see this as an opportunity for them to continue to build a different segment where advisors can build books of business. And what's really interesting, too, is that this is a really interesting place for the next gen advisor. So you think about those next gen advisors who are, you know, right out of school or building out their book of business, 20, 30 year old. They're not necessarily going to buy a book of business. But they see 401k as a space where, one, I can attract and meet with small business owners who can both be a 401k client as well as potentially a wealth client. The other interesting part, too, is we talk about robo-advisors and access to investments is what we do at VestWell is that we provide our advisory groups access to both the advisor and to the participants. And so when we think about it, you know, the data is yours as an advisor. And so what this becomes is a cross-selling opportunity. So for participants in the market, you know, if they're interesting, if there's a, say, a robo-advisory platform that an advisor can offer, they can really offer investment management as well to all the participants. So there's a lot of opportunities for advisors to think about, hey, what should I be doing in the 401k space? What's really cool is we're trying to make it really easy for them, right? They shouldn't be spending, you know, countless hours on building out small business plans, et cetera. What we really want to do is make it the easy button. We want to be priced competitively and we want to give everyone a really great modern experience. And that's true across the advisor, the small business, and those that are saving. The user experience, like you said, if you have to click 20 different places, you're going to lose interest and go somewhere else. And that is ever so true for those that are just trying to save and don't know a lot about financial you know, services, investment management. So when we think about how do we enable that saver to save more or even to get enrolled, we want to make it as easy as possible. And that's where the technology piece comes in. So one of the things that another client in common we have is Morgan Stanley. So we've worked on the wealth side. Vestwell is along with Empower and probably others are working on the workplace side. Of course, Morgan Stanley was smart enough to buy E-Trade and has, has been quietly developing Morgan Stanley online and of course, they have Morgan Stanley at work where, where you reside as, as does Empower. What's interesting, it's all converging. And really what Morgan Stanley's strategy, they've been quite vocal about this, is to meet the client or the participant where, where they live, where they want to start. And uh, it's access to a market because they've built the technology infrastructure on the wealth management side. But it is and will be continue to be expanded and utilized on the workplace side. So you get high-end experience, by the way, informed by the whole robo process. Robo really taught the old school, the OG wealth management world, taught it how to how to be simpler. And they've just embraced it and adopted. Morgan Stanley is a great example of that, where they're growing their assets at a, the, fast, the top three, by the way. So it was a tip around recently. The top three fastest growing net new asset firms are Fidelity Schwab and Morgan Stanley. And so what they're doing is they're garnering, gathering the assets by going to people where they want to 
find out whether it's their workplace, whether it's direct through an E-Trade or however they want to do it. It's a wealth man, old school wealth management client, but they're going to have the services, the wherewithal, the capability, all driven by tech. And then to the degree you want an advisor, however you want an advisor, you want an E-Trade advisor, you want a Morgan Stanley traditional advisor, they're there at your service, however you want to be served. So it's fascinating to watch. And of course, you're in the front row seat on the workplace side watching this happen. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I mean, I think, you know, the Morgan Stanley partnership has has really helped us open our eyes too in terms of how do we work with partners and, and how do we serve advisors. I think what we love to hear is when the advisors really think about what they can do with the small plan space, that gets us really excited. And, you know, in the beginning, we would work with advisors who would only have one or two plans, you know, accommodation for their small business client. And now they're looking at 30, 40 plans. They really understand the market. They know how to simplify the message. They know the value proposition for their client. And on the back end, then, you know, Morgan Stanley is making it easy for them to, to be able to offer those plans. And that really extends out and helps them build out in exponential ways their business. So this has been great fun talking about Vestwell and partnerships and smart firms like Franklin Templeton and Morgan Stanley and Vestwell and Lifefield. Let's talk a little bit about what you do for fun, aside from being a mom of four kids, still can't get over that, that you do all this plus that. But the work that you've been doing with women in fintech, you're involved in forming and being a board member on a number of women in fintech organizations. Tell us all about that. What, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How much fun are you having? Tell us. I'm having a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Great. It's my passion at the end of the day, right? We all want to figure out what, how we're going to impact the world. And for me, it is, it's how do we help women in fintech? How do we help women in general? We started at NYC Fintech Women in 2017. And it really started with a small group of us, you know, 16 women at a bar on a rainy Tuesday in Flatiron. <laughs> and that, that bar no longer exists, right? So uh, we, we still do. And now we're 10,000 women and men across the U.S. and globally. And it's been just really amazing to hear how we've impacted uh, people across the board. Everything from, hey, you know, I was able to meet this woman and now we have a deal on the table to someone taught me about angel investing and I wrote my first check to I was able to get promoted and you helped me, you know, kind of take that next step and ask for more money. So our mission is to empower to connect and to promote women in fintech. And those three very specific words of connect, empower, and promote. And so everything we do is centered around that. So I absolutely love it and wish I could spend more time. We definitely have, we have a team of volunteers that run it. So I'm very grateful for all of them to help us expand. So we're now not just in NYC. So now we're in San Francisco, Chicago. There's a chapter starting in Boston. Someone reached out to start something in Hong Kong, so hopefully we'll be truly worldwide at some point. That's great. Wonderful. And a lot of that also informs what I do in terms of my board role with Take the Lead. So Take the Lead is um, a platform looking to get to gender parity by 2025 through women in leadership. The other thing that I am passionate about, too, that I spend some time on is within the Asian American community. So helping women within Asian community, Asian American community Think about leadership roles, because that is a big challenge for women in the community, is to get to leadership positions. And then the other piece, too, is when we think about funding. So funding both for women and Asian Americans. So the stat is is still astounding to me, but only 2% of institutional venture capital money goes to female founders. And then that stat's even smaller when you get to you know Asians or any other minority. 
So that's one piece that, you know, something that I want to focus on in, in 2023 is how do we think about getting people to write more checks to female founders and thinking about who are those people that are writing the checks as well. Good for you. Congratulations on the good work you're doing. And I have a hunch you've only just begun. <laughs> Thank you. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Talk about for Vestwell, for our industry, for women in fintech. Where do you see the world going? What's going to happen over the next three to five years? We've been through a great run uh, over the past year, some tough markets. People kind of matured quickly uh, in terms of their investing experience. So what do you see come, what's happening over the next few years around fintech in particular and all the different ways that we've discussed? Yeah, it's been quite a year. I think everyone can attest to that. Yeah. January highs to now where we are. And I think it, it says a lot about companies and people and how they weather the storms, right? Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, what we're going to see is one that uh, modern user experience is ever so important, right? Yeah. It is how do you continue to build a user experience that will effectively and efficiently get users engaged? And that's always going to be at the core of how businesses need to think about building their platform. Um, we are launching, you know, a new record-keeping platform called Sierra that's part of that. And, you know, anecdotally, what it does is it streamlines and builds so much efficiency into our operations. And that's going back to the user experience. So a real-life story, right? If you have a 401k and you need to take a loan from a 401k, you don't want to wait two weeks because you need that loan for a reason. It's, you know, markets are down. Maybe you need that loan to put food on the table or maybe you need it to pay some bills, whatever it is. And so we're really excited to launch this because what it's going to do is, you know, one of the efficiencies is that it's going to be able to provide loans within several days instead of several weeks. And so just thinking about that from a, a you know, person experience is that that brings just, you know, that technology build into that user experience and being able to fast track access is really important. So that's one, again, that modern experience. Two is that we need people to save more. So how do we get people to save more? It is, you know, within the U.S., what we're really seeing is that within the minority communities, there's not a lot of access to workplace savings. There's not, and even if there is access to workplace savings, not a lot of people are utilizing it. So how do we support the state business, the states that are offering retirement programs? How do we support the small businesses to get workplace savings into their hands? I think that's really important as we think about, hey, as a business and as people, how do we want to help others? How do we want to help our community? What's the impact that we can have? And again, it comes back down to my personal story, right? As an immigrant, first-generation immigrant, my parents owned a restaurant. They didn't have access. And I've been so fortunate to see through my corporate career that now looking forward, you know, 20 plus years, I will have retirement. And that gives me a sense of security. That gives me, you know, time and space to spend with my kids, my multiple four crazy children. And so I think, you know, making sure that everyone has access to savings is very, very important. And then when we think about, you know, kind of fintech and, and gender too, is we need firms to be more intentional about who they're hiring. Um, and so, you know, within fintech very specifically, to me, it all starts at the leadership level. You need to be intentional about what, how you want to build your company. We have all the stats to support how diversity helps businesses bottom line. And we need to actually put that in action. So really being intentional about where are we recruiting from? Who are we trying to recruit? How do we want to fill the leadership positions? Representation really matters. And so I think maybe taking you know, a much more concerted effort to get to that diversity level than we have been before. 
So those are the three things I would say are top of mind for me when it comes to fintech, retirement, and women in fintech. That is great. So I have to ask the question, how do you find the time to do all that you're doing? Four children, a number of boards, of fintech women in fintech boards, senior role at a fast-growing firm. So what gives? How do you do this? I love everything that I do. Honestly, you know, I love I love being at Vestwell and I love what I'm doing at Vestwell. I love the people there and our mission is really important. When I was looking for a role, what was really important for me was what is the company trying to do at the end of the day? I love really helping women in fintech in all different capacities. I love my children. And I will answer your question by telling you, I don't sleep much. So (laughs) you must not. (laughs) I go to bed usually around midnight and I'm up around five or so. But my magic trick, my superpower is that I'm a really great napper. So I only need (laughs) 15 minutes top. It's like someone's cup of coffee, right? So 15 minutes, not even 15, even 10. And I'll set my alarm and I wake up before my alarm goes off. And I'm raring to go. (laughs) (laughs) It had to be something. I love it. I love it. My favorite question at this point in the show is to ask people what they do outside of work that they're particularly passionate or excited about. It sounds like you got a pretty full slate, but anything else that you do that people might find interesting or surprising you'd be willing to share? Um, let's see, interesting or surprising. You know, I, I spent a lot of time on the fintech stuff and the Asian community. I think, you know, the other pieces I really love spending time with my kids and they're young, you know, the oldest is seven and the youngest is one. So they're crazy loud bunch. And what's really important for me is when I have any extra time is taking them on hikes, showing them, you know, kind of cool restaurants and just spending time with them. And, you know, someday we'll travel the world together. But right now, you know, <laughs> right. it's the little things. As the father of four sons, in my case, um, all now in their 30s, it's a load just to move for kids anywhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. My husband bought a minivan last year after years of me protesting. And (laughs) in exchange, it is his minivan and not mine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you kind of need it. I get it. So, Michelle, thanks. This has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed getting to know you better. We've known each other for a while, but uh, I've learned a ton and uh, really impressed by all that you do. And you do with great grace as well. So my applause to you and all that you do. So for our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Michelle, thanks so much. This has been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Jack, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.